All right, if you would take your copy of God's Word and join me in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. We are coming very near the end of our time together in this wonderful portion of Scripture that is known as the Sermon on the Mount. As a matter of fact, today will be the last portion of Jesus' teaching before this section of Scripture ends. And it effectively is what began Jesus' public teaching and preaching ministry. And we have made our way consecutively with a few interruptions throughout through this wonderful passage of Scripture. And today, we're going to look at verses 24 through 27. So if you have your Bible open there, just listen as I read. This is what the Word of God says. Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. There are some tasks, some problems, some dilemmas in life that we know there is more than one or even two ways to approach dealing with the issue. There are multiple avenues, perhaps multiple right avenues, perhaps multiple avenues that will achieve a desired result. We know this because we even have sayings, colloquialisms that we use that indicate when something has multiple ways to approach it. You've said it before probably. There's more than one way to skin a cat. But yet there are some dilemmas, there are some questions, there are some situations in life that really only have one of two options. My favorite of these perhaps is a little bit of a, of a problem that my sister, perhaps you've heard of it, was posed with at the end of an interview, a job interview she went on for an engineering firm at one point. She wasn't an engineer, but she's got a general math degree and she was gonna be working in that area. And science people and engineering people are interesting and, and she was expecting nothing less when she went to this interview. And after all of, the, all of the job description issues and all the personal questions and education and experience, he said, I have one more question for you. He said, perhaps I, what if I presented you with a five-gallon bucket and a three-gallon bucket and I presented you with the problem of from, from that three and five-gallon bucket only measuring out precisely four gallons of water. How would you do it? My sister, having a little bit of, of sense in math, said, well, I would begin with the five-gallon bucket. Five-gallon bucket's in this hand, three-gallon bucket's in this hand. If you, somehow you could hold gallons of buckets in one hand. And I would fill the five-gallon bucket completely up and I would empty it into the three-gallon bucket as much as it could hold. I would empty out the three-gallon bucket. Now the three-gallon bucket has no water in it. The five-gallon bucket has two. 
And so at that point, I would pour the two remaining gallons of water from the five gallon into the three. So the three now has two, the five has none. I'd fill the five gallon up one more time, and now all that's left, all that it has room for in the three gallon bucket is what? One gallon. So you pour it in there, and now in the five gallon bucket, you have what? Precisely four gallons of water. And he said, bravo. But then he looked at her and he said, how else could you accomplish the same feat? And she said, well, obviously, you would begin with the other bucket. It's the only two ways to do it. You either begin with the five-gallon bucket or you begin with the three-gallon bucket. There's only two ways to deal with that problem. The other things in life that there's only two things to deal with. Most of these things relate to spiritual issues. Jesus here at the end of his teaching on the Sermon of the Mount presents us with a problem, a dilemma, that really only has two answers to it. There's the right way, and there's the wrong way to respond. Now, Jesus uses different terms, but that is essentially what he's getting at. With what he presents, the, the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, if you will, there are two ways to respond. And I want you to see this morning, we're going to spend some time looking in verses 24 through 27, seeing these two ways that you can respond. And we're going to see them by looking at the two distinct pictures. Here again, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus here in talking about the two ways that the Sermon on the Mount, this spiritual situation or dilemma can be responded to, essentially gives us the picture of two men. He, he presents two hypothetical pictures for us and he's going to teach us about responding to his words based on the actions of these two characters. In Jesus' account, these two men go unnamed. For our purposes this morning, let's refer to the first man as Mr. Jones. And let's refer to the second man as Mr. Jones. Let's talk this morning about the two Mr. Joneses. And as we see these two pictures unfold, I think we will get a sense at the overall emphasis that Jesus is making both in this passage of Scripture, but also in how his followers should respond to his sermon as a whole. Look at the first Mr. Jones. What we might refer to as the wise response. The Mr. Jones that responded wisely. Here again, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Did you notice that Jesus began verse 24 with therefore? I don't know who first said this. There was a debate going on on Twitter just about two weeks ago about who they first had set, heard say this. When there's a therefore in Scripture, we should always ask what it is 
therefore. I, I know that's a little bit corny, but there is also some truth to that. Because when we see therefore, there is some type of conclusion or summary of what we've just seen that's about to follow. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. Remember what we've seen right before this. We've seen Jesus tell us that there's the broad way and there's the narrow way. And we are to enter life through the narrow way of Jesus alone. And right after that, he gone, went into a passage of Scripture where he began to teach about false prophets, false teachers that will teach you something other than what? That narrow way. And then he says, therefore, the one who hears these words of mine and acts on them shall be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. What is the therefore, therefore? Well, in some ways, we could say it is the summation, it is the conclusion of what we've just seen in the section about the narrow way. You be the one. You be the one, the wise one that responds through accepting life, entering life through the narrow gate. But I'm going to tell you, I think that's true, but I think it's even broader than this. I think we could say it this way. and Maybe I'm saying a lot to make a very short point. This is Jesus' conclusion for his entire sermon on the mount. This is one sermon that he's been delivering to his followers that began all the way back in chapter 5. And he's taught a lot of spiritual truths. He's taught some things about what it means to have internal righteousness and practice our righteousness and trust God and have discernment and, oh yes, also enter life through the narrow gate. And this is his conclusion. Can we say it another way? This is Jesus' invitation. This is Jesus' final appeal. He is making an appeal based on the sermon he's just preached to all that would have ears to hear. It is his invitation, his appeal for us, his followers, some 2,000 years later, today, I believe. He says that, therefore, the one who hears but it's not just the one who has ears to hear. It's not just the one who hears Jesus' words. But did you hear the other part of that equation that he added in there? The one who hears and puts into practice. It's, this is going to be important later. It's literally the word does in the Greek. The one who hears and does my words. This one shall be compared to. Literally in the Greek, it's a future tense Passive verb that means that one will be made like. In the future, we can't always see it now because sometimes in this world, those that don't respond to Jesus' words seem to get ahead of those that do. Sometimes in this life, it seems like whether you follow Jesus or don't, you have all of the same problems. But Jesus says one day, the one that hears and does. It's very important will be made like the wise man. It's also interesting the word for wise here is not the typical Greek word for wise. It just seems to mean having a body of knowledge. It's actually the word Sophia. The name Sophia in Greek means wise. That's not the word that Jesus uses here. Instead, he uses a word that has with it this idea of understanding based on insight that leads to acting wisely. He's calling for action, and it may be better translated shrewd. This person that has ears to hear and does, in the future, at some point, you might not can see it now, but in the future, this Mr. Jones 
will be made like the one who is shrewd. Well, what does that picture of shrewdness look like? Well, Jesus tells us. Shrewdness, the example he gives, is the person that chooses to build their house on the rock, not on the sand. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us because in our culture, we would never be the Mr. Jones that built our house on anything but a solid foundation. And as a matter of fact, if we were going to build our house somewhere that didn't have a solid foundation, we would do the work to build up the earth and lay a solid foundation before we ever started building that house because we know you never build a house on anything that shifts because then you will get cracks in what? Your foundation and then in the walls. But you understand that day and purpose, they, that, day and, that day and time, they did not just as easily and readily have access to great architectures and house builders. So there were two options, especially in southern Israel around Jerusalem. It's a very sandy area. Matter of fact, Miss Kay, when we were going through our Israel trip on Sunday night, she asked me one time, she said, why do all of those houses around Jerusalem, why are they built on the hill kind of like adobe houses? And at the time, I didn't know the answer. That is, until Miss Kay, I started looking at this passage. The reason why is because some of the few places that you can find a rock-solid foundation to build houses on around there is where? On the hills or mountains, because everywhere else is sand and it shifts. So this, Mr. Jones, will be made like the wise man. Builds his house on the rock. And then when the winds begin to rise and the rains come and all of that weather and life slams against that house, the response, the outcome will be that house does not fall. Now, let me take just a moment here and, and I, I feel like I've got to be very explicit here. If we try to parse out everything that Jesus is saying and make a one-to-one -one comparison of this illustration, this metaphor to everything in our life, well, the house is our life. And the winds and the rain are the, are the problems in life that come. And the rock that he's talking about here is Jesus. I, I think we missed the point. There's not always a one-to-one -one comparison. It's not an allegory as much as it is an illustration. What... Jesus is simply saying here is this man that hears and does is wise. Just like the man built his house on the rock. This Mr. Jones is simply acting wisely. It's not that somehow he's trying to indicate the winds and the rain and the, and the slamming against the house of some future judgment of God, although that might be true, but that's not what he's saying here. It's simply the point of wisdom. It is wise to build your house on the rock, and we'll talk about what's not wise in just a moment. And likewise, the person that hears and does is wise. It would be no different if I was trying to illustrate wisdom to you today, and I wasn't talking about anything to do with your money, and I were to say something like this. You know, it is wise, the person that lives within their means and saves money in the bank. It's a wise person. I'm not necessarily trying to make money and the bank some equivalent of something that you're going through in your life, such as making a decision. I'm just trying to show you a picture of wisdom. This Mr. Jones simply acted wisely. But then there's the second picture, isn't there? There's the other Mr. Jones. This Mr. Jones acts so shrewdly and wisely, we wish that everyone would be that way. But then we're introduced to Mr. Jones number two, beginning in verse 26. The second picture is the unwise 
responds. The second Mr. Jones responds unwisely. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Did you notice that in for all intents and purposes, our introduction to the unwise response, our introduction to Mr. Jones number two is almost identical with the exception of the word therefore that captures the essence of the entire section of of scripture, it's almost exactly the same, right? There's this man that hears the words of Jesus. So what are the similarities? Well, notice that both Mr. Joneses, that Mr. Jones and this Mr. Jones, both hear the word of Jesus. He's, he's assuming both that he's talking about, the only ones that can hear and then respond are those that are in the audience, and hearing, listen to me, is not the question for Jesus. Jesus is saying those that I'm talking about, both, both pictures, they are going to hear. Both men are going to hear. The difference is not in the hearing. You know, I, I, I doubt there's many in America, I doubt there's any that, have, that, that are sitting in this church today that could make the case I've not heard. Not heard the word. That's not the question. Hearing here for Jesus is not the point of divergence. Come back to that in just a moment. Notice the other thing that's similar here. Did you get it? What's going to happen to both houses? The rain's going to come. The wind's going to rise. And it's going to slam against the house. That's no different either. So the hearing, there's no different. And the house having to deal with the normal elements of weather in that area, it's no different. Perhaps what becomes the most significant for us is where is the difference? Where does that divergence? What makes this Mr. Jones who's wise different from this Mr. Jones who makes an unwise response? Well, it begins with the second word that I said was going to become important in just a moment. It's not just that he heard, but he heard and did. He acted. He put into practice. He responded by doing the words of Christ. That's the first major difference that we see. There's a second one, perhaps a little bit more subtle. And I don't want you to miss this. Look down at the very end of verse 27. If you go back to verse 25, you will notice that in talking about the wise response, Jesus does not give the extent or severity of the house being able to stand. It seems in Jesus' mind, there is no levels of standing. Either the house stands or it doesn't stand. But Jesus does seem to make a difference. So what he gives us in verse 25 is not the severity of the house standing or the the, the soundness of the house standing. He gives us the reason why it stood. Reminding us once more what? Because it had been founded on the rock. But oh, at the end of verse 27, I hope you didn't miss it. He doesn't give us the reason that it fell. He gives us the severity. He gives us the emphatic explanation of how great the fall is when it did indeed come. Did you note that? And great was its fall. In the Greek, as a matter of fact, the last word in the passage is mekos. 
we get our word mega from that, mega millions and mega everything else, it's the last word that's used in this passage of Scripture because Greek doesn't put words in the order in which we say them in sentences. They put them in the order and places so that they would be emphasized. Jesus is emphasizing the very last of this teaching is great. This fall, it was great, big, huge. It's a problem. That is the unwise response, Jesus Says. The word for unwise here is actually, the, it's, better, it's better translated, some translations say this, foolish. It's the Greek word, you'll enjoy this, and I'm not making this up. I don't get up here and just make up great, cute words that I say to my kids, hoping that you'll buy them. No, this is actually it. It's the, it's the Greek word moros. If you're guessing it, yes, it's where we get our English word moron from. Now, before you throw anything at me for calling this Mr. Jones a moron, I'm simply just repeating what Jesus said. Jesus said, this guy's a moron. He says, if you hear his words and you don't respond by putting them into action, you are like the moron that would go out and build your house on the sand instead of the rock, not believing that it's going to fall, and when it falls, the crumbling thereof would be great. Now again, I don't think Jesus is making a one-to-one -one comparison of everything. What Jesus is instead doing is teaching us what it means to be unwise in comparison to what it means with being wise. Remember, if you go and you live within your means and you save in the bank, that's, well, that's just a picture of wisdom. Compared to if you spend money you don't have and don't save anything, and one day, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, but it's going to catch up with you. That is unwise, and that is unwise compared to being and living wisely. That's the picture that Jesus is showing us here in conjunction or in relationship to the response to the words we've heard in the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, this reminds me, it's probably going to, some, some younger people in the room are probably going to hate me for this, and some people that are my age in the room are probably going to go, yeah, I remember that, and some older people in the room are going to be like, you younger guys, you young whippersnappers, including my, myself, you guys just don't know what music is. This reminds me of a song called Two Sets of Joneses <coughs> that was made popular in the 90s, <coughs> mid-90s, by a Christian band called Big Tent Revival. I just so believe that we've got that video queued up to watch this morning. Now, you might not like the music, I get it, but try to listen to the lyrics because it's based right off the idea of what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Just listen to this. This here's a song about two sets of Joneses Rothschild, Evelyn, Reuben, and Sue Just for discussion through random selection We've chosen two couples who haven't a clue Rothschild was lucky to marry so wealthy Evelyn bought him a house on the beach Reuben and Sue, they had nothing but Jesus And at night they would pray that he cared for them each And the rain came down And it blew the four walls down 
and the clouds they roll away. One set of Joneses was standing that day. Evelyn's daddy was proud, a young Rothschild. He worked the late hours to be number one. Just newlyweds and their marriage got rocky. He's flying to Dallas, she's having a son. Reuben was holding Gideon's Bible and he screamed, It's a boy! so that everyone heard. And the guys at the factory took a collection. And again, God provided for bills he'd incurred. And the rain came down, and it blew the four walls down, and the clouds they rolled away. And one set of Joneses was standing that day. What is the point of this story? What am I trying to say? Well, is your life built on the rock of Christ Jesus or a sandy foundation you've managed to lay? Well, needless to say, Evelyn left her husband and sued him for every penny he had. I truly wish that those two would find Jesus before things get worse than they already have. And the rain came down, and it blew the four walls down, and the clouds they rolled away. And one set of Joneses was standing that day. And the rain came down, and it blew the walls down, and the clouds they rolled away. There's two sets of Joneses. Which ones will you be? If uh, Holly and Will would do that song live for you, notice that neither of them are here today. I'm just going to leave it at that. So we'll come back to that song in just a moment because I do think it's helpful for us. But I, I do think we would be well, just in conclusion here for a moment, to ask the question, what is Jesus emphasizing? What is Jesus' point here? Well, let me take just a moment to show you the one implicit point that we see 
First of all, I think it would be wise to say what Jesus was not doing. I've said this before, but if we get caught up, and there's guys that I really respect in preaching this or interpreting this passage have done this, and said Jesus is actually making an allegory here. Every part of what he's using this illustration for has a one-to-one comparison to life. And so, yes, again, the foundation is Jesus. And that, that is true, and the house is our life. And, and certainly that that could be applied to that. And then the, the rain and the wind and all that coming is, 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 the, is the judgment of God that's coming one day in the future. The, the problem with that is I think he's just talking about what it means to build a house on a foundation. And all, all and everyone, when they build that house, there's going to be rain, there's going to be wind. And what is wise? I don't think Jesus is actually using an allegory here. So what Jesus was doing. I've already pointed this out to you, but I think one of the things Jesus is doing very clearly is Jesus is emphasizing the concept of do. Did you catch it? Did you catch the emphasis in this section on the concept of do? Our English translations don't do a great job of this, but what ties this entire section together going all the way back to verse 15 is the concept of what someone does. Now, don't misunderstand me. Christianity is not a works-based religion or relationship. But we are called for those who know, that know Christ. We are called to respond and live in obedience to our faith. And Jesus, beginning in verse 15, really we see it in verses 17, verse 18, verse 19, and even in verse 21, false prophets are those that are emphasized by what they don't do in this illustration of the trees that produce bad fruit and the good trees that produce good fruit. And then in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who what? Does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Jesus is emphasizing the concept of hearing and doing, hearing and responding. Remember, it's his invitation. It's his appeal. What are you going to do? The other thing he's doing, and I've already pointed this out, I won't do it again, but Jesus also, what he is doing, is he's emphasizing the great, the extent, the significance of the fall that comes eventually when we don't do, when we don't respond in wisdom based on what Jesus has said. And then finally, Jesus overall is teaching us about wisdom. The whole point of connection between hearing and doing His Word and real life and spiritual truths and this metaphor that He uses about where you build your house, the whole point of connection, the point of, 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 of understanding and coming together is the idea of what is wise. In some ways, what Jesus is doing here is very close to what James does in his epistle and also what we read in the book of Proverbs. The concept of wisdom. Generally speaking, what is wise? Which leads us to what point Jesus was making or is making. Again, I, I think we have to put the emphasis on this concept of the fall being great, eventually. I do think it's fair to say, look, sometimes in life, and we've already mentioned this, you see people that don't respond to Jesus' words, and what does it look like happens in this world? At minimum, nothing worse than happens to us. At most, sometimes they seem to get ahead. They seem to live a more enjoyable life. And that seems to us with our eyes to be wise. 
Notice that Jesus seems to be indicating, but eventually, even if we don't always see it here with our eyes, what is ultimately going to be the case with that person that doesn't act wisely, but acts unwisely? Well, the end result will not be good. It will be great in a negative way. Which leads us again to this whole concept that he's emphasizing, this concept of wisdom. And I believe, going back to the beginning, Jesus is teaching us the two ways. Go back to the book of Proverbs. We don't have time this morning, but just think about this. Does Proverbs present multiple paths, multiple options? Proverbs seems to be built on a dichotomy, does it not? What? The way of wisdom and the way of folly. Even, even giving them the personification of ladies. We've got our Mr. Jones and our Mr. Jones here. But there you have the two ladies. One is folly, and you will follow her to your death and destruction. And there is wisdom. And be the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. There aren't multiple ways. There's one way. So what Jesus is ultimately doing, I don't want you to miss this. What Jesus is ultimately doing is, is he is implying the command to be doers of his words because it's wise. He never says it, but that's what he's implying. Just listen. You don't have to turn there with me for time, but listen to James, James chapter 1 beginning in verse 22. See if this sounds familiar. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. The one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Overall, this is what Jesus is teaching us as he concludes the Sermon on the Mount. This is the appeal that he's making. It is wise. It is wise. It is wise not simply to be a hearer, but also a doer of Jesus' word. Would you take just a moment, just a moment with me, and would you walk back with me just briefly, in an overview fashion, through the Sermon on the Mount? Because you see, the world says it's good to be brash and arrogant and proud. But in Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The world says that you can be good enough on your own. And God will let you into your heaven, into his heaven, if he's not done, if you've not done anything bad enough. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The world says, the world says, get all you can here. Living by the way of the world, living the way that you want, you'll get ahead and you should try to get ahead. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 says, God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And the world says it's good to see, seek the applause of men, to be highly esteemed in their life. But Jesus says, 
When you practice your righteousness, you go into your inner room. And don't even let your left hand see what your right hand is doing when practicing your righteousness. The world says, seek wealth and money and let that be your God because that's all there is. But Jesus says, don't you dare store up for yourselves treasures on earth. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven because you cannot serve both God and mammon. The world says, yes, you better worry. You better worry about today and you better plan all that you can. But Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because the day has enough troubles. And trust God to provide you what you need. The world says, live any way you want Live any way you want. There are multiple paths to God. There are multiple paths to heaven. Jesus says, hear me, it's wise. It's wise. It's wise. It's truly wise. Just like the man that builds this house on the rock when the rains come and the wind slams against this house, it is wise to trust the narrow way of Jesus alone for your salvation. The question is, how are we living? Mr. Jones or Mr. Jones? Isn't it interesting from that song, you might thought, why in the world did you play that for us? Well, here's why. You heard the lyrics. It's interesting that one of those sets of Joneses has everything the world could ever offer and they here want for nothing. And the other set of Joneses has nothing at all this world values, but what they do have is they possess all that's needed to be a resident of the kingdom now. But did you notice, just like Mr. Jones and Mr. Jones, the similarity is both still experience this little thing called life. And the rain, I'm not going to sing it, and the rains came down and blew the four walls down. And the clouds they rolled away. And one set of Joneses was standing there. Did you catch how the one couple responded? Needless to say, Evelyn left her husband and sued him for every penny he had. And I truly wish that those two would find Jesus before things get any worse than they already the song ends with a very apropos question for us today that I think gets to the crux of what Jesus is saying. There's this Mr. Jones and there's this Mr. Jones. The song says it like this, doesn't it? Now there's two sets of Joneses. Which ones will you be? Because there's only two ways. There's only two responses. Those who hear and do and trust Christ alone and those who hear and do not and live foolishly. Which ones will you be? Pray with me this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of response. My question for you this morning really is simple. I'm going to pray and then we're going to begin to respond and, and I'm going to get out of the way and just let the Lord do what, what He will in your life. But just hear me say this. My question is, I wonder if right now, today, you are living wisely.
If you're in the room, the, the, the first thing that that means is you know without a shadow of doubt you have responded to Jesus' appeal and you are trusting Him alone for your salvation. If not, I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about that decision. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've trusted Christ, but you are not living daily based on the wisdom of the Word of Christ alone. You're, you know it, it's in your soul, but you're not doing it. The altar's open. Would you come lay that before Him so that you may turn and respond to Him in a way that pleases Him, in a way that's wise, in a way that lives and follows hard after Christ? I'm going to say, I'm going to pray, I'm going to say amen. When I do, we're going to stand, we're going to begin to sing. Would you respond as the Lord is leading this morning? Gracious Father, thank You for this entire passage of Scripture that we know is the Sermon on the Mount. Thank You for its practical teaching, but its deep, deep spiritual truth calling us over and over again to Your Son to Christ. I just pray that everyone in this room knows Christ, and if not, Father, I pray that you'll call them to yourself right now, and they will respond in faith and repentance. And I pray for those of us that do know you, we would continue to live every day in obedience and wisdom as Christ has defined it. You have your way in this invitation. Whatever you do, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory, for it's about you. It's not about us. It's in Jesus' name that we give you and pray these things. Amen and amen. Would you stand and respond as we sing?